0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello, and welcome back to the Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline. Sorry again for the hiatus. Like I wish you all knew how hard it was to do a podcast right in the thick of festival season um there are a lot of worries about publishing and whether certain things will get swallowed up or not there's a bunch of logistical stuff um that's complicated to really navigate anyway no more hiatuses for a good while um festival season has come to a relative close and so we can sort of get on with the podcast uninterrupted so that's awesome. Which is, you know, pretty much me publishing three times a month. Then I take a week break, you know, to sort of get, you know, more guests and get everything sort of organized. So, anyway, let's get on with the show. So, on today's episode, we have Nikyatu Jusu and actress Anna Diop who talk about the supernatural horror film Nanny. Directed and written by Jusu, Nanny follows Aisha played by Anadia, a woman who recently immigrated from Senegal and is hired to care for the daughter of an affluent couple, played by Michelle Moynihan and Morgan Spector. And this takes place in New York City. Haunted by the absence of the young son she left behind, Aisha hopes her new job will afford her a chance to bring him to the U.S. But Aisha becomes increasingly unsettled by the family's volatile home life, As his arrival to the US approaches, a violent presence begins to invade both her dreams and her reality, threatening the American dream she is painstakingly piecing together. That summary doesn't do it justice. It's so layered and there's so much culture and and so much nuance there that, I don't know, you just gotta see it. I, I loved it when I saw it out of Sundance and Nikkiatu Jusu really put her heart and soul into the film and she's been working hard to get where she is right now. Uh, She's an independent writer and of course a director and associate professor in film and video. Her short vampire film, Suicide by Sunlight, made its debut at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. And Nanny is Jusu's screenwriting and directorial feature film debut. The script was selected for the 2019 Sundance Institute Creative Producing Lab and the 2019 IFP Project Forum and the 2020 Sundance Screenwriters and Directors Lab. Jusu is also the second black director and Nanny is the first horror film to win the Sundance Grand Jury for the US Dramatic, which was in 2022. Now, this is an enormous achievement and will hopefully put a target on cinema that is directed by black women. However, in the history of Sundance, it's nuts to think that she is only the second black woman to win the grand jury prize in 2022, but but I digress. Anna Diop is a Senegalese American actress who has an illustrious television and film career. Currently Diop stars in the DC Universe live action Titan show as a titular character, Starfire. She was also a series regular on Fox's reboot of 24 Legacy, playing opposite Corey Hawkins. In addition, she starred in Greenleaf, which is on OWN TV, Oprah's network channel, and was a star on Prime Video series Bosch. As for her film career, the actress has starred in Jordan Peele's Us and A Message from the King opposite Chadwick Boseman. Nanny is set to premiere theatrically on November 23rd and Prime Video on December 13th. Now this discussion, we really, the three of us, Jusu Diop and I really go into some heavy topics on this episode, including the fallout of COVID and its impact on the film. Criticisms that Nanny has faced from other film critics, of course, and how race and gender factor into some of the challenges the director faced while making this movie. Diop also discusses her time on Titans and some of the struggles she's faced on the series. I promise you, this this conversation is going to be powerful, enlightening, and and, and hopeful, and I hope it creates a discussion that goes further beyond uh, this podcast episode. So with that said, let's get into it. Wow, this journey for you guys has been um, really uh, monumental for you guys. Can you talk about what the journey has been like so far since um, winning the Jury Prize at Sundance? Do you want to start?
1: Since winning the prize? Yeah. Man. You know, Sundance was an interesting experience because it went virtual. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like... At the last minute. Mm-hmm. At the for last us. minute. For, yeah, for everybody. Like, Hotels yeah, we were right, booked, right. true. Outfits were... We were talking about where we going to play All of it. And so it was such a monumental win to get into Sundance. That in and of itself is something that I've wanted to, to achieve my whole career. And then going through Sundance, Though, but doing it virtually was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're in that's amazing. Yes, it's being received well, that's amazing. And then winning mm-hmm. was like intellectually, I was like, this is massive, this mm-hmm. is huge. But because it was virtual, it was like it felt it, anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I have to remind myself, this film, you know, won this this gorgeous, Same. incredible thing. And so um, since then, it's been. Um, because because of that, it, the experience of it since has been both like, yes, the film's doing amazing. Pe- you know, it's well received, but it's also kind of like a push and pull of like, just because the experience was all virtual mm-hmm. and it felt kind of unreal. It diluted it. It diluted.
2: And also, I mean, Anna knows, but she had a healthy distance from our post production process. Mm-hmm. Like everybody went off, went back to whatever project they were working on, went on to their next project. And me and Nakia uh, Moteri, my right hand and our financiers, mm. production was, a, it was murderous. Mm. It, was, it was people were catching COVID. We were trying to make the Sundance deadline. Oh, shit. We went right, Valerie, right from rapping to editing. Like we had started editing. Our editors started editing, I think, second to last week of production.
0: Mm. And so
2: I, took, I think I took like two days off after we wrapped and mm. then was in the bay with the editor because the Sundance deadline was like breathing Mm -hmm. on the back of our necks. And a lot of people don't realize that just because you go through the labs doesn't guarantee you a slot in the actual festival. And it definitely doesn't guarantee you a slot in competition. So it was a whirlwind. So we got in and that was the first win, Mm -hmm. hypothetical win for us because I was like, we killed ourselves. We submitted a work in progress Mm -hmm. Um, and then We were still editing like we had a new we sent a new cut Mm -hmm. we sent a revised cut they allowed us to do that because the first cut was so promising Mm. um and then when we got the official acceptance everybody was celebrating because that was like our first win Mm -hmm. we didn't expect to win-win um but even once we won like everybody has said being virtual diluted the joy but it was still So unexpected. Mm -hmm. And they tricked me. You know, the whole process of them telling me that we won. I thought I would have time (laughs) to write up a speech and do something really formal on my Zoom. They put me on the spot and recorded my real reaction. Um, But yeah, had we not won, I really do think that our film could have gotten buried because Mm -hmm. we didn't didn't Mm -hmm. go in with distribution. Mm
0: -hmm. The industry
2: has ignored me for a long time. And Sundance is one of the platforms that... Has forced the industry to pay attention to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. So the film almost killed you. Literally, <laughs> <Yeah, yeah>. information. <Literally. laughs> Quite
2: literally, like everybody got COVID in post. The sound mixer was dropping. You know, post production manager was dropping. We Nikki and I had to. <laughs> we both got COVID too. Mm. I couldn't even mm. do a do a, a meeting without coughing through the whole meeting. Um, so we literally dragged our dead bodies across the finish line.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you
0: know. And it seeming seemingly being like a labor of love, and the odd reception that came with <laughs> the um, the odd reception that came with. I mean, you know, you know, I was a part of the discussion. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've talked to shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I was part of it. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" And right. So how did you? I noticed that you didn't outwardly respond mm-hmm. to it, but I know you have thoughts, and I'm curious to know if you're comfortable with sharing yeah what those thoughts were yeah
2: I really think that I'm at an, a unique intersection as a filmmaker because I was very active on Twitter before I got visibility mm. and so I've curated who I follow on mm-hmm. Twitter and over the years mm. and I follow a lot of really smart people including Valerie mm. and I follow a lot of black film critics. So over the years I started to peek into the conversations that were happening around you all having access to films, having access to quote unquote highly pedigreed festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, yo, they're navigating the same thing on the other side that black filmmakers are navigating
1: mm-hmm.
2: as artists. And so how do we find ways to
1: as far as access? As far
2: yeah. as access, as far as who whose voice is prioritized? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far so many things, but the short answer is yes. Of course, I noticed. I noticed a tone in some of the reviews from primarily non-black critics. I won't just even say white. Mm-hmm. Non-black critics, particularly men, particularly white men, who would, for instance, there was one critique that was like it was a bunch of uh, mumbo supernatural mumbo jumbo. I know who
0: wrote that one.
2: Too. Right, and I was just like that. That it feel it felt disproportionately. Um, disrespectful some of the critiques that we were getting like they would go on about the technicalities of the film the lighting mm-hmm. the cinematography it's easy to point out how amazing it looks mm-hmm. and sounds but when it comes to the content it's i could tell i could tell there was a disconnection mm-hmm. and they were lashing out because i think for once they're not the target audience at mm-hmm. all not even remotely and so people were bumping up against that but i didn't anticipate because that's par for the course mm-hmm. like this I'm used to that. I have a thick skin. I really don't care.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, The audience will find me, I always feel like. Mm -hmm. What I didn't expect is the black critics and black intellectuals coming to my defense without me even having to Mm -hmm. say anything. I felt like people noticed it. Because, you know, we notice these things. Mm -hmm. You've navigated your own situations. Mm -hmm. We know what's happening. And we're gaslit into believing that it's not, hap- it's mm-hmm. not racism, mm-hmm. it's racism, mm-hmm. you know? But you can't, you, you often can't quantify it. Mm-hmm. And it's exacerbated by also being a black woman, by being a darker skinned black woman. All of these things are layered. And so I'm excited about what we're navigating because we have more voices like you that are more vocal and going to these festivals. I remember your experience at Cannes. Um, and Everybody I was like, God that. bless, we are gonna send you up in prayer because I know exactly what that looks like. Um, But yeah
0: And I know you've had experience with mm-hmm. this before, and now you're like, oh my God, again, I'm fucking, again. So I, I'm i wondering how you handled that, but also I wanted to know how you protect yourself, mm. how you protected yourself Gosh, during, yeah. during this time and any other time when you take on any role mm-hmm.
1: or any experience that
0: you have as an actress.
1: I have a lot of experience in this. I have a lot to say mm-hmm. about this, but I'll try to keep it concise. Um... I feel like what I've learned to do to protect myself is really to not respond publicly until I have enough time to separate myself from the emotional reaction of what it's creating in me. Um, your review, in particular, you talked about the lighting in Nanny, I believe. She Probably. did. You mentioned yeah. it for a while. And darker you skin. specifically said, It was refreshing to see her the nuances in her face because that's lost oftentimes when we're seeing black skin black people Mm -hmm. on camera and it's lost for anna specifically on titans Mm -hmm. um that's something i fought a lot with on titans Hmm. literally being seen Mm -hmm. like literally having to say i'm not lit properly Mm. you can't see me and getting so much pushback it took two seasons for them to start actively working on that. Mm-hmm. I'm, on a, I'm on a tangent, but- um, No, 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 this is part of it. As far as like what I read from the responses of Nanny that were kind of like what Nikki brought up about people calling it you know, the supernatural things, but also I read a lot of people kind of saying like, well, I wish we would have seen more of like Amy's life and Amy's story. And it's because people are so uncomfortable with not being centered and so unused to not being centered. Um, but this is a story about this black woman. And finally, we're seeing something that's just focused on that and really diving into the heart of her life and, and all of that. And
0: so I don't know. It's it's a lot. I have yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> that, that, good. Good. It's not like, that hard to digest. Like, I, I was kind of... Surprise! i was like i'm not really sure and i've made comments on this and i'm like i'm not sure what people are missing i'm like it's pretty mm-hmm. straightforward like mm-hmm. it's not watching david lynch like right you know it's it's a or even cronenberg like the, 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 there's a lot of like his stuff is complicated you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but people make complications out of things they don't understand mm-hmm. so i think that was also from what i was seeing was a huge part of it people just um not understanding, probably because they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know, not acknowledging that there's this there's a microcosm around this film and people who were involved in it and who made it and mm-hmm. you know, it just sort of is what it is. But enough of, of that. I'm glad you're asking these questions. This is gonna yeah, be the wow. one interview
2: where we have these these conversations. Well, yeah.
0: you know, it's you have to that's why you know black media is so important mm-hmm. so that we can sit down and have conversations about the things that only we know and the things that we recognize mm-hmm. between one another um, as opposed to you know just the general well, what made you want to take this role Which mm-hmm. th- these questions are important too mm-hmm. but um, we need more nuance in in our conversations and mm-hmm. in our interviews and in, and in, in the the things that we partake in Agreed. and mm-hmm. um that's why I like nanny so much is it because because it creates a lot of different conversations a lot, about a lot of different things. But that's the black experience, especially when you're, you know, a darker skinned woman. Mm-hmm. There's racism and sexism and, and and maternal duty and and culture and horror and it's just all of these different things. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I know I'm right. I'm supposed to be interviewing y'all. No, oh, this no, is good. Not I've been good. waiting to have a conversation with you for a while. Or whatever but i now that that nanny is out there what what are some of your other plans in terms of of getting folks to see the film and and the sort of conversation that'll be created around that you know
2: luckily we have a machine behind us mm-hmm. like that's the other thing I, I i i've been lucky in the sense that at every step of this process, people have asked me, how do you feel, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And I know that's not always the case once a film is acquired. Like Blumhouse and Amazon, I was ready to fight. I was mm-hmm. ready. I was, like putting, I was like, I've been fighting this entire time. I'm ready to continue fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also seen what happens with my black filmmaking peers in the marketing and distribution stage that undermines all the labor that they've done. So I was ready to fight. But lo and behold, I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, because we've been going at such a ridiculous, inhumane pace, it was such a relief to realize that I still had a voice in the poster art, mm-hmm. in uh, what networks we, want, we went to, and in, in who gets to interview us for our film, in, in just every facet of this mm-hmm. process. And at every step, people remind me this is not how it usually goes. And I'm like, well, I don't know how it usually goes, but I'm thankful that it's going like this. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I've been really thankful about the the groundswell around us, and all that to say, like we're going to Lagos. You know, we're still doing the circuit, a very a press quote unquote prestige circuit, Mm -hmm. with eyes on a bigger prize coming down the line that everybody's gunning for. Um, And so, the rollout has been massive. Um, and as you know, you know, in December we have streaming on Amazon and in November we have limited theatrical release, mm-hmm. but we're still doing the circuit. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing London Next and Anna's winning an award in Chicago, I'm winning an award in Mill Valley. Like we have just so many things coming up. It does feel like we have a machine that's working on our behalf.
0: And speaking of, of machine, I I wonder taking back you know your power and um, how that process has been especially in terms of this film where you know you've gotten to sort of uh, work on your character and portray it in the way that that you feel you know mm. a sort of collaborative experience that the two of you had but also being able to determine who you talk to and and um, who who gets to document your journey mm. um, that's something that we've been talking about since like twenty, mm-hmm. since like twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you talk more about what that experience has been like going up against, you know, barriers, pressure, mm-hmm. um, and standing in, and you know, standing in your truth, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and what that's been like overall for your careers, both of you. Um. I'm sorry, I'm asking that personal hard question. This
1: questions. is good, Valerie. No, I love it. I'm like so lost in even listening to you. I'm like, <laughs> there, there, um, What's it been like to stand in my truth in this industry, essentially, is what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you ask. Um, tricky, uh, arduous, mm-hmm. uh, painful, disheartening, and s- sprinkled with these experiences that give me incredible hope. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience of knowing that Atu existed when I saw her mm-hmm. short, and that there are storytellers like this that are telling these brilliant, sto- like just knowing that she existed in the world is a hopeful mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the moments that you wish to have in a career, mm-hmm. in a life. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you're going to make me cry. I feel um, the same way. That's
2: why. I- <laughs> and About you.
1: Yeah. When you asked that question, what I thought of was, in this film specifically, how Niki Yatu spends time with Aisha in a way that we're not used to experiencing. There's a gaze there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's validating for me as a Black woman to know that she could just spend time on me, and that that was enough, and that those simple moments were enough. It was enough for people to recognize this film in the way that they are. Like, just It's just validating. It's validating to be able to make something With someone that looks like you and me, and that it's enough. And that's what inspires me, and that's what keeps me going. You might succeed at making me cry, finally. (laughs) They've been
2: trying to, Valerie, they've
1: been trying to, this
2: cast has been trying to get me to cry, but it's not gonna happen today.
0: (laughs) I am, there's something about the, when you talk about the way that your character is documented, it's really interesting because it sets a message that I got from the film, and I don't know if I mentioned it in my review, but. To be a black woman is both horror Mm -hmm. and rebirth Mm -hmm. because of the way that water is used. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's something that other cultures share about how black people of the diaspora Mm -hmm. see water and the rebirth Mm -hmm. and the way that that's looked at. But it also shows, as we see, Ana, we see that to be a black woman is horror. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we see so much we see more black women thriving in the horror genre that's interesting because they mm. know horror personally yeah damn um you know and the different if you exist at different intersections it's even worse mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and i think that's why stories like nanny will your story and others like it will continue to thrive because Every day is a horror story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Or every day could be a horror story. But there's also enormous optimism and hope Mm -hmm. within black women um, as we, you know, sort of survive and live life every Mm -hmm. day. And that's also what I think, at least I think, um, Nanny was about and the message that you were trying to get across. Very much so. Can you talk a little bit about that? So,
2: I mean, you know, it's funny because... I do also want to go back a little bit and say that at every step of the process, even though I wrote this, even though I directed this, even though I'm a black woman directing, writing and directing this, mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's like worked for hire, who's popping into a different gaze. I have had to fight to remind people at every step of this process that my protagonist is Aisha.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Particularly in the edit. Particularly in the edit. And I had a kind of a contentious relationship with my editor. um, Because he was struggling to cut it for my protagonist, Mm -hmm. it was like scenes lingering on literally all the white people's gazes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just want to reiterate that it it is exhausting. Because if you don't advocate for yourself and your gaze, people will swoop in at every step of the process, and try to pivot it back to their gaze. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, the word victim has come up a lot. I think a lot of white critics and white uh, people who responded to the film in particular have been like, I just love how it wasn't preachy, and there were no victims. Those two words come up a lot. Mm. It wasn't those two phrases. Wasn't preachy, check. Um, no victims. No victims. Mm-hmm. Mm. And to me, that's projection. That's a lot of projection. That's and it has nothing to do with me as a storyteller. But good job. Thank you good that you got that. Um, I never Mm -hmm. want to convey a black woman protagonist who is a victim. That's never been my goal. So good. Um, But I think in people saying things like that, they feel indicted in a way that they're uncomfortable with. So they're happy that in the end, Aisha still steps into her power because now they can even take more of a breath and say see even with white supremacy she still thrived you know i don't feel indicted as a person who benefits from white mm-hmm. supremacy and so yeah that's i'm creating black women characters with agency because that's what i know mm-hmm. in spite of what we're navigating we are surviving these systems and we are thriving on top of that mm-hmm. we are creating microcosms of joy you know and we're lifting each other up we're i think black women And Black femmes are upholding the entire Black community.
0: How do we not break our backs? Yeah. right.
2: Mm. Um, And so, and, and upholding a lot of communities outside of ourselves. And so, yeah, good that you don't feel like Aisha's a victim. Because that's never going to be the goal for any of my Black women protagonists. And good that you didn't feel preached at. But I do hope that you see the nuances of the ways that Oppression accumulates through these microaggressions and through these small interactions that build into something much bigger and systemic.
0: Thank you guys mm. for. <laughs> I think that's a God. perfect way. Valerie's like oh I've had God. enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to to sort of end it. And I want to thank you, you both, um, for coming onto the scene to scene podcast and being so candid and earnest, um, in your answers, um, you know, and and. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off guard with the questions. I know these They're are good questions. probably new questions. That I knew asked. what I was walking
2: into with you. I follow <laughs> you on Twitter.
0: So, I knew what was going to happen. Um, but thank you both so much for your time. I really yeah. appreciate thank it. I really, value. really had a good time having this conversation.